With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your very own Tyler Rucker of the No Ceilings crew for the No Ceilings podcast. As you guys can probably guess and hear, running a little solo today. You know, my, my partner, Tyler Metcalf, little load management. Metcalf's been working hard on the life grind. Told him I'd, I wanted him to take a little bit of a breather because I want to get serious with this one. Um, feel like I'm a little loose with all these podcasts, but whenever I get the chance to go solo mode, I like to take this one serious. Um, and the 24 class, I think, requires a little bit of a therapy session, if you want to put it that way. I got a lot of thoughts I want to talk about when it comes to this class. Thank you guys all for the support. You know, over the recent months, our, our growth's been really awesome. I recently just posted a, a piece at noceilingsmba.com for everyone. You know, it's absolutely free. Go check it out. And I talked about patience when it comes to this class. And a lot of the storylines and questions we could have surrounding this talented class. And, and there is talent. There is a lot of intrigue when it comes to this class. I know it's getting some question marks, a, a little bit of a bad rep, but that's what I want to talk about in depth and got the chance to kind of ask around and get some feelers on how people around the league are viewing it. And are they as concerned? Are they as stressed out as some evaluators and draft diehards might be? And, want to share those thoughts on this pod but you know starting out I, I let's just rip the band-aid off the race for number one is going to be fascinating we all know that right now if you have been doing your homework you've been following closely you understand that there is no consensus number one guy um, it's wide open as ever we haven't seen it this wide open in recent draft history you could go back to the Anthony Edwards Lamelo ball draft if you want to say that one was potentially a kind of a curveball, but we still had an idea of two names that could go at the top. Um, and you know, I, I asked an executive recently. I was like, "Hey, you know, Alex Sar has been getting the buzz as as the guy." And, and if you're starting to get familiar with the draft scene, Alex Sar, seven foot one, big forward, whatever you want to put it that way, talented, very athletic, very impressive mobility. Um, been playing with the Perth Wildcats this year after last year, um, last couple of years playing with the overtime elite and, you know, literally dropped the mic when they had the ignite Perth showcase in the beginning of the year. SAR was just a, a dominant force, but we have to remember the situation is everything. You're going to hear me say that a lot, probably in this episode, when it comes to a lot of these players, SAR now is playing with the Perth Wildcats in a big boy league in the NBL, which continues to get better every year. Um, it's becoming a league that is targeting young talent to, to grow their league, to grow kind of the platform when it comes to a potential developmental spot for young talent before they go to the NBA. 
And SAR hasn't produced, you know, overseas compared to what we were teased with against the Ignite. Against the Ignite, he looked like a surefire number one pick. It's not even close. Um, you know, looking at it right now, SAR's numbers overseas with Perth. He's averaging 9.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, 1.2 blocks, shooting splits of 48, 28, 63, and 18.8 minutes. You stretch that to per 36 because everyone loves to do that. That would be 18.7 points, 9.1 rebounds, 2.0 assists, 2.4 blocks, which that sounds pretty impressive. But situation is everything. We, we've seen just how quickly that NBL season can shift when it turns to draft stock. Uh, Uzman Jiang's the poster child for that. Um, I've talked about this plenty of times on previous podcasts. If you watch Jiang's first half of the season in the NBL, he just looked completely lost. And second half, completely different player. That's why he skyrocketed to end up becoming a lottery pick for the OKC Thunder. So we got to be patient. As I've talked in that article at No Ceilings, you've got to be patient with a lot of these guys. But, you know, a really interesting exercise, something I wanted to do was compare my last two big boards when it came to top seven and where would you place these guys in those rankings? I think this year, you know, I, I hinted earlier, talked about an exec, and I was like, hey, Okay, so Sar, like, are you buying? Are you in? Um, because I also said, hey, someone like Zachary Richiche, who has been with JL Borg this year, had probably one of the biggest swings in terms of draft stock over the last six months. And I said, why couldn't Zach be going one? I, I've been impressed. I just finished. I'm, I'm starting to do all these YouTube breakdowns on on these prospects. Thank you for everyone for the kind words on those. And after watching Richiches, I was like, man, this kid has been everything I've wanted to see this year. Um, almost more impressive than his numbers would suggest. And Zach's having a solid year. I mean, nothing that's going to get you overhyped when you're chasing stats. He's averaging 11.6 points, 3.6 rebounds. But the shooting splits of 53-48 on 3.3 attempts from downtown a game, 69 in 22.8 minutes. Per 36, that stretches out to 18.3 points, 5.6 rebounds, 1.5 steals. He's got a current true shooting percentage of 65.2. So I got to the point where I was like, why couldn't Zach be going one? And the response I got was the top five, seven guys in this class all have a shot to go one. That's how wide open it is. Um, and there's a lot of names I want to talk about when it comes to this number one pick race because i think names like nikola topic who's with red star now obviously sar and topic are a little banged up they're gonna miss some time um sar sounds like he's trending towards potentially returning before topic i think baylor's jacoby walter could be a wild card but i'm probably thinking he needs to start getting a little bit of a heater of a stretch coming up before that buzz picks up again cody williams of colorado i think still a dark horse wild card um, but if you, let's go back, you know, stay with me. Let's, let's go back so we can go forward. Last year, 2023 draft, obviously everyone, Victor Wimanyama was probably at the top of your board. Um, top six picks of the draft, Victor Wimanyama, Brandon Miller to the Hornets, Scoot Henderson to the Portland Trailblazers, Amen Thompson to the Rockets, Asar Thompson to the Pistons, Anthony Black to the Magic. Uh, my board last year, because everyone loves to know where I was and, I still feel great about it. I have Victor at one, Scoot at two, Brandon Miller at three, Jarris Walker at four, Cam Whitmore at five, Asar Thompson at six, Amen Thompson at seven. Now, obviously, most of those guys have impressed early on. Scoot, still work in progress, but we'd like to see him training in the right direction. Point guards, I'm always giving very patient, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Scoot. Scoot's going to be fine. And, you know, guys like Jairus Walker still trying to get his footing. He's been impressive in the G League. I think that's a wait-and-see mode. Cam Whitmore finally starting to get with the Rockets. He's been great. But, like, you look at SAR. You look at some of these top guys for this class that could be in the mix for number one. Like, are you putting any of those guys ahead of anyone from last year? I don't, you know... Personally, probably not. Um, I think Sar would probably be behind Asar and Men Thompson for me. 
I'm still very high on Cam Whitmore. I know there's a lot of people that were a little bit all over the place. I'm still very high on Jarris. I think he's just going to be a guy that is going to have a big sophomore leap. And then you take that a year back. A, a year back, we go to 2022. Top seven picks. Paulo Bancaro to the Magic. Chet Holmgren to the Thunder. Jabari Smith to the Rockets. Keegan Murray to the Kings. Jaden Ivey to the Pistons. Benedict Matherin to the Pacers. Shane Sharp goes seven. My board that year. Chet Holmgren at one, Paulo Bencaro at two, Jabari Smith at three, Jaden Ivey at four, Keegan Murray at five, Johnny Davis. Thank you, Wizards, for ruining a shot at six. Benedict Matherin at seven. Now, that year could get a little interesting because I think you could get to a point where you're saying, hey, maybe SARS flirting with, I mean, I probably would have flirted with putting him around six because I loved Keegan Murray. I still think Jaden Ivey starting to figure it out getting some valuable reps right now for the Pistons. So it, what we're getting at here, it's just a wild year. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, obviously, but you're going to have to get creative. You, you, you're going to have to understand that this draft is so wide open. There's no consensus guy right now that's separating himself. I think Topich, if you're talking about production, he's at least earned the right to be up in that conversation. It's going to be fascinating to see what he can do with Red Star once he gets back into the mix because there's been some really promising flashes. I've been one that's been lower on Topic for the first half of the year just because I had some questions. I finished his breakdown on the YouTube channel and I was like, hey, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to see what everyone's intrigued with. Um, and I do see a world in which he could be the top pick depending on fit. The draft is always about fit. We, we've always said this. Um, I think it could be more fit than ever this year. I think whoever goes first is going to be because of what happens on the night of the lottery. Sard's got the talent, the tools to be the upside swing. Topic has the tools to be the playmaking. Hey, we need a point guard. Like, Obviously, San Antonio Spurs fans are pretty intrigued with Topich because he's exactly what they need. But then you got other guys. Like if Detroit does get number one, where do they go? Alex Sar would be a messy fit. It, it, I'm just going to say it. It would be a messy fit. Guys like Reese DeShay, Jacoby could be there, could make more sense. You could try to argue that it could be a reach, but the the quick thing that everyone's going to project and, and suggest with this class is, oh, you know, you could just trade back. Well, thing everyone's going to suggest with this class is, oh, you could trade back. And it's like, well, who's going to want to come up in this class? And both sides of that make sense. It, it could be pretty tough to be trying to get as much assets impossible for getting rid of the first overall pick. But this also could be a year where if you're a team that's saying like, Hey, we know who, what we want, what we need. Um, drafting for needs always scary, but maybe this is the year you could try to do it. And maybe a team would be willing to go up for, you know, pennies on the dollar. If you want to put it that way, it's going to be really interesting, but a lot of those names. And what I'm getting at here is a lot of those names that are, probably right now, you know, we're recording January 18th. A lot of those names, you have to compare those to other classes and you're going to probably be in for a rude awakening. But I think personally, and this is kind of just me being devil's advocate. I know I just went and compared it to other classes, but I think this class, you almost have to just throw out other classes of comparisons in general. We have to be open-minded with this class. We have to be saying, okay, this, this might not be the superstar class that we're going to find all these potential all-stars, but we might be finding a nice piece to help this team move forward. I think all of these guys at the top of my board when it comes to Saar, Topich, Cody Williams, Risha Shea, so on, I think they all have the potential to really help a team take the next step forward. But if we start comparing to recent classes that have been spoiling us as fans, um, I think it's going to be a tough one. So it's going to be really interesting to keep monitoring this moving forward and, and see where we're at. But I think the race for number one is more wide open than ever. I, I really do. And, and I think we're going to 
find out a lot of stuff. I think this is the year where combine those workouts are going to be more thrilling if you want to put it that way than ever i think there's going to be buzz galore about certain players and how do they interview what's the intel what's the background it's going to be fascinating um let's take our first break get a little bit of a breather after that little rant and then i want to talk about some guys that deserve to be in the top seven and it's legit when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So as I've said before, you know, I, I was, I've been grinding away on a lot of these midseason scouting reports and um, it's been always cool to, to do these videos for our YouTube channel. I know fans are appreciative of it because you get to kind of see the highs when it comes to, to highlights and breakdowns. And throughout the year, we're going to try to do more in depth pieces and videos when it comes to breaking down players and their strengths and weaknesses or improvement areas. I hate saying weaknesses. And I personally love to do these videos and, and scouting isn't just watching highlights. I understand that, but I think these are videos are great for me personally, because I get to watch everything I possibly can handle. And it's almost a measuring stick of a player's highs compared to somebody else. And sometimes it makes it a little clearer where you can see what they can do on the court. Cause that's the first thing in scouting. You want to see what is their NBA skill set? What can they bring to the table early on? Guys like Zachary Richeche, I was having in my top six. I watched everything I possibly could get my hands on when it comes to making these videos. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh gosh, like I'm seeing it. Um, I've moved him up. I absolutely love what he brings to the table. The mentality shift he's had in the last six months is remarkable. It, it, we can't underestimate how good he's looked. And I think there's a world in which Risha Sheik could present himself as one of the safest guys at the top of this class, because you're getting six, nine, six, 10 wing shooting the cover off the ball from outside. I'm buying the shooting touch. He's been aggressive attacking the lane. There's some times where you're holding your seat like, oh, crap, look at this play. And um, the defensive versatility has been very impressive as well. So I think Risha Shea should be up in that mix. But, you know, I, I've done – I'm early on in my video grind. Um, just posted a pair of new players that I'm about to talk about right this second. But, you know, I've done Topic, I've done Sar, Risha Shea, DeJane Saloon, who I want to talk about later. And it really jumped when I got to Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham. These are two guys I was lower on to start the year, not because of their talent, but because I thought one and done might not have been in the question. Reed Shepard, um, 6'3 guard, freshman, McDonald's All-American, Kentucky, everyone should know, you know, his family was Kentucky bloodlines. They, his mom and dad both played there. Shepard would look like a guy that was like, hey, he might spend a couple of years at Kentucky and then be playing on an NBA court. I don't think there was any denying talent. You know, all, although he's 6'3", white, spoiler alert, you white, you Ben Affleck. Although he is 6'3", he's a little stocky, um, and he really – stands out on the court with his feel, patience, awareness on both sides of the ball. Reed's legit, folks. Like, I, I'm going to say this. I'm all in on Reed Shepard. This kid can play. Watching those videos and his breakdown, the highlights stand out in such a big way. And it's not just scoring. It's not just his shooting. He is a demon on the defensive side of the ball. His off-ball defense is really impressive. He positions himself outstandingly. Like the playmaking is awesome. There's a lot of good playmaking where it's he has the flashiness that you're like, "Ooh, nice pass." But he also has 
the recognition of the ball should go here. There should be an extra pass. It's a lot of stuff that I think scouts will drool over. Um, NBA front office decision makers will drool over because it might not be the flashiest play, but it's the right play. He just makes some reads that are absolutely tremendous. And you're pairing, like there's there's obviously questions about his role at the next level because he's a little bit undersized for a modern NBA guard. Um, you're, you're probably not thinking he's just going to be a day one point guard. He kind of plays the role more of a combo guard, but you know, our, our own Corey Tolba, when we had our most recent mock draft video, he brought up the point. He's like, Hey, we need to stop underestimating Reed Shepard's upside. And after watching him in depth, I completely agree with it. This kid could be a top five pick. And in a lot of people right now, you know, we had a mock draft of him going in the top five. And a lot of people are like, this is insane. Well, insane is probably going to be invited to the dinner table when it comes to the 24 NBA draft class. And Reed Shepard can just damn play basketball. Like he's a good player. He's outstanding. He's efficient. He's doing this all in, you know, he comes in and makes winning plays in limited minutes off the bench. And I just think this is the year in which we really need to wake up and say, why can't Reed Shepard be a, a top five pick? Um, he does a bit of everything on the court. Really, really does. I, I just, it's hard to explain because I understand everyone wanting to be a little bit like, eh, I don't know. Like, could he really be going top five? Is that too rich? The numbers back it up. He's averaging 11.8 points, 4.3 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 2.5 steals in 26 minutes on 55, 53, 85 per 36. That's 15.9 points, 5.8 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 3.4 steals, one block. Um, his true shooting percentage is 74.4%. But it's just one of those things when you break down the film, it's not just Reed making good decisions um, offensively. It's not just him shooting the cover off the ball. It's just him understanding how to get to his spots, understanding how to get his teammates to good spots, reading where they're going to be, throwing teammates open, just checks boxes quickly. So I, I think Reed's going to keep climbing. I think he's going to cement himself as the top 10 guy in this class, and I know that might be a little spicy for some to take in right now, but I think it's it's going to start happening. It's going to be a clearer picture because especially with this class, Reed just looks like a kid that can damn play basketball. And one of my favorite exercises when I'm evaluating someone is you know, if if you dropped this player in an open gym with NBA galore, we know how that is in the offseason. If you dropped them in on a five-on-five five with just NBA stars, could they hank? Could they hold up and, you know, produce or be a, be a factor out there? And I think with Reed, it would be an easy yes. Um, so I'm excited to see what he keeps doing. And then I need, to t I need Rob Dillingham's got to get flowers from me. Dillingham, I was much lower on coming into the year. I thought it was going to be an interesting experience with him coming from the OTE because when you watched him with the OTE, he was unbelievably gifted as a scorer. It was a lot of street ball vibes, just a lot of freedom, if you want to put it that way. And my only question with Rob at going to Kentucky, I thought was the best decision possible for him because of Calipari and what he's done with guards. And I said, if, if Calipari can get Rob to buy in early on unlocking the versatility, he could skyrocket. And he did. Both parties bought in. Rob's been awesome. I just finished his breakdown too. And doing Reed Shepherds and Dillingham's back-to-back, -back, I was just like, man, these kids can play. Like, yes, they should be climbing boards, which they have. Rob's a little bit more spicy and energetic compared to Reed when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. He has some sequences where you're holding your breath of like, my goodness, what a counter, what a sequence, great feel. He's fearless getting to the basket. Um, I think the defensive versatility is going to be a question moving forward, but there's some good on ball stuff. There's some good off ball stuff to, to work with. 
the playmaking's really, really good. It's it's been tremendous. It's been one of the most pleasant surprises of any prospect this year. So I think Rob's going to continue to be a player that's trending in the right direction. Both of those Kentucky guards are Kentucky looks like they're going to probably be a team that can make a nice little run in the tournament. And we know how that works with NBA teams and scouts. You know, if you keep pushing and you can press in the tournament, you're going to keep buzzing. So I think there's a world in which both these kids could go in the top seven. I really do. And I know that's insane to think about right now in January, but just they're trending in the right direction. You get to a point in this class where there's some questions, there's some hesitations. And I think Rob and Reed are both trending up quickly. If you've followed me closely over the years, my writing and stuff, thank you guys. I hope I didn't give you too much of a headache, but I will always go to war for the upperclassmen. I think it shouldn't be punished if you decide to look yourself in the mirror and say, I can become a better basketball player. I'm going to go back for another year. I think teams like to drool over youth upside and untapped potential. But I also think there's a point in the draft in which smart teams go after guys that they know what they're going to bring to the table. Um, You could, you know, there's no such thing as a safe pick, but I think a lot of upperclassmen can be safer picks when it comes to this is what I am on the basketball court. I'm comfortable with it. Or if you've stayed multiple years in college and worked on your versatility and taken on a bunch of different roles that a team has asked of you and you've succeeded, why can't you do that at the NBA level? I think Kevin McCuller of Kansas is going to be a name that just continues to rise. I think he's going to go to workouts and interview with teams and they're going to love him. Um, McCuller was a guy that transferred from Texas tech to Kansas was known as this versatile guard with size at six, seven that could defend multiple positions, make winning plays, you know, in a world be the idea of uh, Alex Caruso at the next level. And McCuller, I thought had a chance to become a, a end of the first round pick last year. And he decided to gamble on himself, go back to Kansas for his senior year. And what he's done this year has been just absolutely sensational. He's turned into an offensive scoring weapon. Um, I know there's going to be some people that question the outside shot. I think the fact that it's taken this leap is remarkable. Um, So now we're at a point where we're saying, well, what about the outside shot? Hey, he's shooting 36.1% from three this year on 4.2 attempts. McCuller was never a shooter. So the fact that he's flirting with you know, mid thirties to forties. He was at 40% for a lot of the year is fantastic. He's shooting 48.2% from the field, 84.7 from the line, but he's averaging 19.8 points, 6.5 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 1.5 steals, true shooting percentage of 60.7. Why isn't he going lottery? Like why should Kevin McCuller not be a lottery pick in this year's draft? I mean, you you have to just, with a lot of these players, go down the checklist when you're scouting. Like McCuller, defensive weapon, check. Versatility, can guard multiple positions, check. Um, understands how to get to his spots, yes. Makes winning plays, yes. Got the numbers to back it up, absolutely. Um, and I think he's going to be a high intangibles player. And I, I I think this is the year in which a lot of upperclassmen could be getting picked earlier than we're expecting. I know it's not a a thing we've seen in recent years. I know a lot of teams are, hey, we should swing for a star early in the lottery. I get it. But I also think this is the year which that side of the fence, when it comes to, hey, maybe we draft a little bit of an older player, someone that could give us a boost in the rotation. I think that could lean a little bit higher this year. I think teams could target and be aggressive to that mindset. I think McCuller is right at the top of the list. If you're thinking that way, I think Dalton connect of Tennessee has been tremendous. There's questions about him on the defensive side of the ball. I completely understand, but this is the class in which I think you have to say, everyone's going to have their questions. We're probably not going to find the all around 
perfect prospect that could just be a versatile perennial all-star. It just might not happen this year. Teams might not see it that way. But what if you could go find a guy that really gives you a burst in in an area of need? Drafting for need is always dangerous. I'm always a big go draft best player available. But if you have a player that could come in and help you in your rotation and give you depth, I understand it this year. Dalton Connect, defense might have some questions. Offense, he is a bad, bad man. Um, You know, I broke down his splits. Dalton Connect transferred to Tennessee, senior, just super talented, 6'6", wing, can shoot the cover off the ball, very underrated athlete, got some sneaky athleticism to his game. He starts off the year, he was just on fire. 19.2 points, 4.6 rebounds in his first nine games on shooting splits of 49, 39, 79 in 30 minutes. Suffers an injury, um, I think it was in like the second half of North Carolina. Kind of played banged up for a little bit and was just struggling. Um, He had a five-game stretch after starting off on a heater. He had a five-game stretch of averaging seven points a game, 7.6 points per game on 32, 26, 83, and 22 minutes. His last three games, 34.3 points, six rebounds, shooting splits of 57, 56, 83 in 34 minutes. So Dalton's another guy I think could rise, could impress. He's got good frame, good size, can shoot it, can get hot in a hurry. Um, I think he's another guy like Kevin McCullough that just could start getting into that lottery conversation and could intrigue teams with what he can do on the court. Not what he can't do, what he can do. Um, and, and what Dalton can do is really be a huge boost to your rotation if you're looking for an offensive spark. And, you know, he's a tough kid. I, I, I just really like what I've seen from him. Um, let's take one more break. And then I want to talk about some of the guys in this class that I think are could be um, diamonds in the rough when it comes to giving your rotation a serious surge. All right. So I think this is the year for, for 24. Everyone's going to, you know, if you're picking in the lottery, I know you're going to be chasing stars. I get it. We always chase stars. We want to find the guys that can potentially become serious weapons at the next level. And I'm not, let me fix what I said earlier. I'm not saying there is no chance of anyone becoming a star or an all-star in this class. I'm just saying, I think, if you're looking at this class as a potential rotation thirsty class, you could probably do some, some damage. Um, I wanted to talk about this more in depth later, but I think teams, it's going to be really interesting with these NBA teams of the philosophy they're going to have with this year's class compared to previous. And, And what do I mean by that? Recent years, teams could try to trade up to go, swing for the fence you might see a a prospect that has untapped potential that you're like hey we want to get him with our developmental staff we're picking 18th let's go try to get to 12 to get him i understand that i think this year could be fascinating when it comes to those playoff teams picking later do you target someone that could be a boost and give you you know a solid seventh or eighth guy in your rotation Um, Do you go try to trade up to get a Dalton connect knowing that, Hey, he doesn't have the upside we're usually swinging for, but we need scoring, you know, our team's defensive minded. We need a boost off the bench someone that can get hot from outside Dalton connect. Could that be intriguing? Um, If you're a team like the Oklahoma city thunder, you're picking 12 or 13th and you know, you can go up and get your guy and say to heck with the, where we draft him. We want Kevin McCuller to add another just demon in our rotation with Case and Wallace off the bench. Could you go trade up from 13 to eight to get him to just secure him to say, we don't care. We just want a guy. We're going to keep picking versatile guys that can play basketball. Maybe if you're a younger team, if you're a team picking in the top 10, you don't love anyone. Could you target trading back to one of those teams and saying, give us a vet. We need to, if we swing and miss this year, we're going to be, taking a step back. We need to get a rotation. We need a veteran with our team. Could you be trading back? Maybe trying to get a future asset. We just saw, you know, the Toronto Raptors and Indiana Pacers make the Pascal Siakam trade. Really interesting trade. I think the Pacers are going to be 
cooking now. I think that was a great move for them to to try to move the needle and and get a talent like Pascal around what they have in place. But I thought it was fascinating that Toronto got a couple of 24 picks. I think that kind of made a ringing endorsement of like, whoa, bad draft class for everyone. But all of a sudden, Masai is coming out and swinging and wanting a couple more roll of the dices with those picks. And I think teams like that, if you could get a couple first and navigate the first round to try to move around and see where we can go get the guys that we think could really help this team move forward, move the needle forward. I think that's fascinating. I mean, the the Raptors now are slotted. Their own pick is supposed to go to the Spurs, but it's one through six protected. So now let's see what Toronto does, if they're going to start trending a little bit more towards the top. If they keep their own pick right now, they would be slotted to be either one through six have the 19th pick from the Pacers. And then it's, you want to go to Tankathon and look, there's, the worst of pretty much like 16 teams. No, I think it's like four, but right now it's, it's slotted to be the 27th pick from OKC. So Toronto suddenly could have three first rounders wide range all over the place that could get them a little range to navigate. Maybe you go up and you target, you know, picking in the top six, maybe you get a, a swing there like Tijan saloon. Maybe one of those other picks is a veteran piece that you can kind of, add to your rotation. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I think the the most fascinating point is the deadline. What's the mindset of teams going to be? Do you try to acquire some of those early second round picks? Do you try to move your pick to get a veteran piece? Um, going to be really interesting stuff to see. I, I really think this is going to be a fun year, not just for how wide open this draft is at the top. I think it's going to be Really interesting to see what some of these teams do in terms of roster construction because we have to remember too, like cap space issues come into the p- picture for veteran playoff teams. Could you look at this class of saying there's not a lot of star power, but we can go get some rotation guys to help our cap and kick the can down the road and prevent headaches? So, really, really interesting. But I want to go back to be this section. I believe there's a lot of guys that I think could really help a rotation early on. Um, Tyler Smith, G League Ignite. Every time I watch the Ignite, I get headaches. Yes, spoiler alert. But one guy continues to impress me, and that's Tyler Smith because he's 6'10, good frame. Tyler Smith knows what he does on the basketball court. He is not trying to be a player that he's not. He takes good shots, he gets on the court, spaces the floor, he's got a smooth stroke. Um, just san- he stands out with his recognition and ability to understand what he can do to make a positive impact on the basketball court. Um, I think he could just be one of those prospects that's simple. You get it. Some team at one point could be like good size, good shot, play smart. Yes, we'll take it. Um, so I'm fascinated to see him. He's one of those names that every time I watch him, I'm pleasantly surprised and I get it. I just really like his game. Tyler Kolick of Marquette, another guy. I think team, our fans are going to be like, eh, I don't know, white little point guard, lefty. He looks like Goran Dragic out there. He's got the mentality that I think teams are going to love. Wouldn't be shocking if that's someone that starts testing really well when this pre-draft process gets around. Good Marquette team that probably is going to have a lengthy run, but Tyler Kolick could just play. What if you get him as your backup point guard? I think teams picking in the late first round would jump all over that mindset. Tristan De Silva of Colorado. I did a podcast with Metcalf and he brought up a, a pro comp of Grant Williams, that vibe for when it comes to the Silva that stuck with me. I think that role of the Silva is not going to be a player that plays himself into all-star conversations, but he also might be a really nice piece that down the road you're in playoff time and you can't keep him off the court because he's just making a, a good impact and, and understands not only how to get his shot when he needs to, but doesn't force it. And he also can create for teammates. So I'm intrigued with the Silva starting to buy in Wooga Poplar, Miami. I think a team looking for some shooting um, potentially late teens, end of the first round. Wooga's done everything you want to see this year. He's been effective put up good numbers. He's got good size. So I think that's another name. And then one of my favorites continues to be Dylan Jones of Weber state. 
you know, asking around when it comes to Dylan Jones, I think it's going to be teams are going to either love him or they're going to be like, nah, not our style, which is fine, which is fine this class. But I think there's going to be a lot of teams that love him. Now, Weber State, obviously, smaller school. Dylan was having a great year last year. Went to the Combine, was really impressive. Um, we had him, me and Corey did a film sesh with him last year. It was probably one of my favorite things I've ever done at No Ceilings, just talking to him, even when the camera was off. Just great kid, really smart student of the game. Right now, he's averaging 19.3 points, 9.8 rebounds, 4.9 assists, 1.8 steals, shooting splits of 50, 37, 82, true shooting percentage of 60.9. Dylan's just one of these versatile pieces that really can do a lot of stuff on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I really do think a team's going to fall in love with him. And it wouldn't shock me if he's going, you know, some point we get to around those 20 early 20th pick on, I think some teams just going to love Dylan. I, I, I really do. So that's just a couple of names when it comes to boosting the rotation. But if you, I promise you, if you go get a big board out, you make one, you start looking at this class. There's a lot of guys that I think are going to offer potential to help out a team's depth. I really do feel that way. So it, it's going to be fascinating to look at. Let's take our last break. And then I want to just freestyle and go a little rant about some guys. All right. I want to finish this one off. Um, thank you guys as always for, for staying with me. The solo one's been a, a nice little rant. Um, having some fun here, but I want to finish this off with talking about some guys that are really impressing me. Some, some names that I think are going to start waking up folks in the draft space. I think the first one we have to talk about is to Jane saloon. I know he's been a hot name lately. Um, for, for those that aren't familiar saloons playing with Chalet basket, extremely young around six foot 10. He looks like a giant on the court. Outside shots have been really impressive lately. If that can continue to stay around, I think he's going to skyrocket. I think he's going to become the swing. If you want to put it that way, he's going to be the swing for the fences type of prospect in this class. Because when you watch saloon from summer to beginning of the year, it was a very energetic, lengthy forward that moved really impressively that almost was the energizer bunny on the court that almost was trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to do? Like what, what am I supposed to do off the ball? Like, yes, when I open, I could shoot it. I could hustle to make, you know, offensive rebounds and, and an impact that way. But it looked just like a raw ball of clay that maybe at that point you were like, Hey, maybe top 20, this could be a fun swing. If you were patient lately, it's looked completely different in which all of a sudden it's a young talent figuring out how to make an impact off the ball, figuring out where he's supposed to be. The outside shots really coming along. Like I just said before, and his motors never off his motors always cooking, which I think teams are going to love. And now we're talking about this, Big time player. I feel like I've seen, you know, he's around 6'10. I feel like his wingspan might be around 7'2 ish, 7'3. Don't quote me on that. I feel like I'm going off of something I've read before or, or I've asked around. It's all a bit of a blur. But he looks like it on tape. So I can imagine what he looks like in person one day, folks. One day, no ceilings will be able to, to have me go on international scouting trips. But I think Saloon's going to be the swing guy. Where have I moved him up? Let's spill my secrets. I think I've got him. Yeah, I've got him at seven. I absolutely adore his game because I think it's something that's loading and is showcasing some serious versatility. I think it's starting to to showcase also that he's understanding how to find ways to impact on both sides of the ball. There's just really impressive stuff. So I'm going to be fascinated to see. I, I, he's one guy that I would say I will not be shocked if he starts getting into pro team workouts and everyone's just like, what the hell? This is awesome. So I think that's the name to keep. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if he keeps heating up. Ron Holland and Mattis Bazellus. You know, everyone's been down on the Ignite. Um, they've been struggling, obviously, and everyone's kind of been a 
pity party was waving the flag of like, well, the igniter just no good. And it's like, okay, guys, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's understand that the ignite have never been a powerhouse when it comes to winning basketball games, because they're young, youthful players that were trying to develop, you know, Scoot Henderson had a great little interview recently and they were asking him kind of about big picture and how it is to, I think it was talking about like how it is with Portland's, you know, they've struggled to pick up wins and he kind of pointed at the ignite as, not only being a great developmental perspective, but also teaching them that it's tough to it's tough to win and you can't get discouraged when you're losing all these games and you have to keep pushing the needle forward to to try to improve and and build a culture or you know chemistry with your team. And I think that's something we always forget with this Ignite program is there's a bigger picture than just what's happening this year. Um I, I think Holland was I think he's trending towards becoming a top 10 pick. I know someone's going to be like, what are you talking about? Obviously he was. Well, I think beginning of the year, we were thinking he was a top five, top three pick at times. And I think now we're we're getting to the point where I think at some point in the top 10, Holland will be coming off the board, uh, maybe in the lottery. We don't know. He does some really good stuff at times. The consistency is a little bit over the place. Um, right now he's averaging 18.2 points, 6.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 2.2 steals on shooting splits of 46, 23, 73. Ron will have some inconsistencies with his games. Then he'll put up a box score where you're like, Whoa, I still am a big believer that I, I think I've asked around with teams. There's still a lot of fans. I think Intel is going to be big for him. Those workouts are going to be big for him. But I still think there's going to be a point in this draft where if you have the pieces, I've said this before, if you have the pieces in place offensively and you can insert Ron Holland to not be your primary go-to guy, I think that's where Ron Holland could really start to, to find his way as a basketball player. I'm just throwing teams out. I'm not saying I love these fits, but I'm saying someone like Portland. You have Shaden Sharp. You have Scoot. Year two, Scoot. Um, you have offensive pieces and all of a sudden Ron Holland could come in and what does he do? Good. He's a, he's a master of chaos. Um, he's got some defensive versatility. He's a transition blur and he's plays with a, a high motor. Maybe that's where he could have some success. I, we mocked him to Utah jazz before that would make some sense with their front office. Danny Ainge has always been very patient with letting talent develop and, you know, maybe Bryce Sensiball takes a leap for year two and is ready to go. Keontae George has looked fantastic as a rookie. Maybe he's going to have a humongous second year. Taylor Hendricks, maybe you're grooming some raw talent and Ron Holland could be loading in the wings and not have to be the offensive focal point. Um, you know, it, Memphis, maybe, I don't know. There's just a lot of teams that it could make sense in which if they fall in love with the kid, they might jump all over him. So I'm going to be interested to see. I think Buzelis is kind of in the same conversation of there's been impressive stuff on tape. But I think when you ask around, common theme this year, when you ask around, the opinion with Buzelis is just as wide as some other players. Some some guys love him. Some guys are like, eh, I don't know if I'm buying it. The one thing is he came into the year, he was supposed to be this lethal shooter. The shot hasn't come around on a consistent level. He's had some really nice showings and games, but right now he's averaging 12.9 points, 6.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.6 blocks. Shooting splits of 44, 25, 80 in 17 games, 29.1 minutes. So we're going to have to wait and see with Bazellas. Um, we're going to have to wait and see with a lot of these guys. A lot of the freshmen have come in, struggled to get good, like, in a groove, Justin Edwards, obviously. Stephon Castle's sort of starting to get his groove with UConn. It's just going to be really interesting. Um, one of my favorite lessons I got in scouting from coming up, talking to people around the industry was situations, everything. It always is. A Dembona this year at UCLA, people are going to be a little skeptical because of maybe his numbers and how UCLA is playing. Nightmare situation. Absolute nightmare situation. They're making him play a role that he is not going to be at the next level. So there's impressive stuff with that. And that's just an example off the top of my head. Um, Jane McDaniels back at Washington, much better player than his situation in that one and done year. So I think it's going to be fascinating when you, when we get into the dog days of the draft process, you know, we're getting into April, May, when these interviews, these workouts start happening, our team's going to lean on 
what they've evaluated with these guys coming up from high school and before, are they going to carry a lot of weight into this year Uh, with what we've seen? Could we see some of these younger guys still declare and go early because of teams have, have watched them and said, Hey, it's just a bad fit for this year. Could that scare them? And we start going after these potential higher floor guys compared to upside. It's going to be fascinating to, to really look at. And, um, you know, I think guys like Kyle Filipowski at Duke for these reasons is starting to trend up upward with boards. This was a year we thought the big class was really going to drop a mic. Donovan Klingon just returned from a foot injury, wait and see mode. Hopefully he can stay healthy the rest of the year and show some good stuff. Zach Eady's been unreal and is now getting, you know, lottery love. Still trying to buy in on that, but it's just teams are starting to convince themselves that they can find rotation guys. They can find someone that can help. If you can help in any way, teams are going to be intrigued. Um, And and I, I really do wonder if this is the year in which we stop swinging for the fences. Teams stop swinging for that home run. Maybe you hit a single or double and you just move the needle forward, get ready for the 25 class. That's going to be an absolute juggernaut. We're going to wait and see. We got a lot of time and, and it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens in the next couple of months, especially March Madness around the corner, peeking its head. Who's going to make some momentum? Who's going to carry themselves and try to separate even at the top? Who's going to start getting from that 25 range on to try to climb up a little bit? It's going to be fun, folks. I want to thank you guys all for joining me, listening. It's a great little therapy session for me. I hope it helped you guys out. I hope you're having fun with this class. You know, stay stay safe. Don't get too many headaches. Um, make sure you guys check out all of our podcasts, all of our written work at NoSailingsNBA.com. Check out the YouTube channel. We've got highlights going galore. Um, those midseason will focus on highlights. End of the year, we'll be getting into really specific scouting reports and breaking them down in depth, improvement areas, strengths, fit. get your guys' fix, get you prepared for a, a very vicious 24 class. So thank you guys as always. Love you. Keep supporting us. Reach out with any questions. Have yourselves a great weekend. Take care.